Good evening. We're not as tired as last Wednesday, right? I was I was tired Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. I was. Praise the Lord for eleven people that said yes to Jesus on Sunday. That's that's why we do it, and seeds that were planted can't be numbered, so praise the Lord. Thank you for all of you that had a part. I want to turn to 1 Samuel, if you got your Bibles. 1 Samuel 22, I'm going to read a couple of verses out of the book of Psalm. I've been, um, been reading the stories of David that are not the most well-known of stories. I like reading stories when David is down or in a bad place because it usually means something's on the horizon that's going to send him and the nation of Israel to a whole new level. And what I love is that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that pertains to you and I as well. And we've all <clears throat> talked about, and I, I still say that I, I probably get more out of the story of the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt led by Moses. Um... I probably get more out of that. Every time I read it, something different jumps out. And I still say that that what's in there is the reason for success or failure in your walk with Jesus. You'll find it in in that big story. You'll find it because everything that could have gone wrong, they did wrong. And everything they could have did right, they did right. They just couldn't stay consistent. Sound familiar? <laughs> and so you've heard you've heard folks talk a lot about the wilderness experience. I'm in I'm in the wilderness, and we've all been there. And newsflash, we're all going there um, because we'll just have them. And I think, especially. Our crowd here tonight. I think I think we've grown to understand that it, it's it's not punishment from God, and it's uh, uh, unless you've sinned, <clears throat> the wilderness, a length of your wilderness season will be determined by your decisions in the wilderness. But one of the things we forget is there are other. geographical locations and other places where God sends you, your fault, God's fault, 
somebody else's fault, nobody's fault, and, and they're for a purpose as well. And they're more than just great stories. They are for us to take note of and learn from and make us better Christ followers tomorrow than we are today. I want to read Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to flip to 1 Samuel 22. I'm sorry, dear. 61. Psalm 61. This is a psalm that was literally written by David as a song. Um, History bears out that a few of these psalms here in a row were were actually set up like like you and I would think of it as the way a conductor would would lead an orchestra um, one historian wrote that that these few psalms here in this little text were written on stringed instruments and were written for stringed instruments. So I can kind of picture David as the worship leader that he was writing this. And if you read it, you realize he's writing it out of a place of desperation. Verse 1. Oh God, Listen to my cry, exclamation point. Hear my prayer, exclamation point. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. Of safety. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 62, verse 7, he writes again, think of it as a song My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge and a rock where no enemy can reach me. 1 Samuel 22. We find David at the rock, more specifically in a cave. I want to talk about our cave experiences. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for how relevant it is. But I thank you that Nothing is for nothing in your kingdom. Every trip to the cave, every trip to the wilderness, every trip to the mountaintop, every trip to the palace, every trip to the altar, orchestrated by you for a purpose. God, I I would ask that you would just begin to help us to hear with our heart 
God, that we would not overthink it. We would not try to get cute with these passages. They say what they say. That we would just read them, receive them, and apply them. And you get all the glory because it's all yours. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. Let's read 1 Samuel 22. I just want to read 1 through 4. I'm, I'm reading out that New Living Translation. <clears throat> to set it up, Saul, uh, Saul, David is running from Saul. He is, he's on the lamb, as they say. Saul wants to kill him. Um, Saul's, David's buddy, Jonathan, gives him the inside scoop of what his dad, King Saul, is planning to do and allows David to escape. And David's running and where we find David right now is he's, he's made his way to the rock. Um, it's not the rock that he talks about later in his writings. It, it's a rock where he's hiding. He's, he's overwhelmed. He's tired. He's still the king, anointed not yet taken the throne because Saul is going to try to end that. He didn't have a chance to begin with because God already said David would be king. But I say why he's in the cave because I want us to just be totally real and transparent and and I have felt this this week. Um, if, if you haven't, that's, that, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I hope you don't. But we've all been in a, a place spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, where we're just overwhelmed. Um, <clears throat> what, what, I think the word overwhelmed falls lightly on our ears because of how often people use it to get out of stuff. You know, you can tell by looking in someone's eyes if they're overwhelmed. Your spirit will bear witness with someone who is genuinely overwhelmed. Um, I, I, I wish we would, I wish the church would be slower to speak and quicker to hear and and we probably wouldn't be fishing for words to try to explain how we feel when if we just be quiet and ponder things God usually makes things very clear but I found myself <clears throat> this week feeling a little overwhelmed um, no, nothing to do with church it wasn't a spiritual thing it was it was literally a calendar thing, and it, it it is fair, I think, to say that all of us at one time or another have felt overwhelmed. I, I, I didn't get overwhelmed at VBS. Some people, they walked in the door, 
and would would break into a cold sweat because, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? I don't get overwhelmed at it um, for two reasons. One is because for 18 years I've seen it pulled off flawlessly with a fraction of the help. So I know it's going to be awesome. And two, I know it's been prayed over, fasted over, and we're doing what God wants us to do, so it couldn't fail if no one showed up. If we had stick horses and a hay bale, it would be exactly what God wanted. So I don't, I don't get overwhelmed at, at, at that kind of stuff. I don't get overwhelmed usually with anything with having to do with church or ministry. Um, but we've all been there, and I think you would agree. And this text finds David in that place. Um, it finds David in, in a cave, in, in a dark, damp cave. And when you're already depressed, you, you probably don't want to run to the darkest, dampest place you can find. You probably want to get to the light. Get some sun. Get around the people that are going to lift you up. Amen. I mean, that's, that was free. You don't even have to pay me for that counseling. It was awesome. But in David's case, he had lost, at this point, everything he ever had. And, and while on the run, he not only lost you know, everything but everyone uh, except for the few that we're going to mention here, um, but 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 he lo- he loses it, and and he's he's not having a wilderness experience where he's making laps, and this is what differentiates a wilderness experience from a cave experience. He's 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 not having a wilderness experience because. Uh, There's a, there's a deliverance and there's a, a series of what should take two days took two years. He's in a cave experience where he's just feeling like he's tired of running. He's exhausted. And your Bible says this, as does mine. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. So David left Gath and escaped. It's a very important word. Escaped. Escaped. Everybody I know that's overwhelmed is looking for an escape. Everybody I know that feels like they're in over their head, if, if they would get a neutral opinion of it, somebody could probably dissect it and and at the, when that conversation was over, they realized I'm not in over my head. I just have horrible time management skills. Um, but the word escaped is, is, is important, and I would ask you just to, just to keep that in the back of your mind, if you would, please. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Agilim. Now soon, and I don't know what the time frame is here, but soon... His brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. That would be what I want to escape from. 
that's where I take this is where I take a drink and pray God mind my tongue. <laughs> so he just, he escapes he escapes Saul and eventually his brothers and his other relatives joined him. Verse two. Then others begin coming. You're like, oh, finally, finally some, finally some, <laughs> finally the Calvary's coming. Some help is on the way. Well, not so much because these are men who were in trouble. They were in debt, and they were discontented. Now, we're going to talk about those three things. They may mean something different than you and I think they mean, but. So the others began coming until David was the captain of about 400 men. Now, David didn't feel like being captain. David was hiding. He had escaped. You know, you know captains usually don't escape. Captains go down with the ship, right? Like, captains lead the charge. But your Bible says that In what could have been one of his darkest times, God still had him in a position where he could lead. He just had to develop the leaders that were to come behind him. Because all that came were his family and 400 folks who were in trouble, broke, and discontent. Verse 3. Later David went to Mizpeh in Moab where he asked the king, please allow my father and my mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. I'm going to read that again. Allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. That's a statement of faith. Hey, look, I need you to, I need you to watch after mom and pa here because um, God's going to do something. Don't know what, don't know when, don't know how, but I ain't got time one, to be worried about their safety at this juncture because I'm an escapee myself and I'm surrounded by a bunch of in trouble, broke, discontent folk and just take care of mom and dad for me because God's going to move and I need to be ready. I need to be ready without distraction. He goes on to say, so David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during this entire time David was living in his, say it with me, stronghold. Now, verse 1 said, David left Gath and escaped to the cave. Well, the writer says that once he dropped his parents off, he went back to the stronghold. Stronghold is usually not pictured as a place where people who are running from people go. Uh, it's usually a fortress-type place where you are holding strong. You're holding fast. 
Now, there is a negative connotation to the word, and it usually involves prisoners and the likes, but that wasn't, that, that's not the, the Hebrew version of this word. It, it literally means fortress. So he, it's an interesting change of words here. It's first called a cave. See, it, it's, it's a cave. It's a cave when he's on the run. But it's a stronghold when he speaks that God's going to do something. It's a cave when he's on the run. But when he said, can they stay here until I know what God is going to do? Now that cave became a stronghold. Cave still is cave. It's a hole in the side of a hill. That's... I, I love this story. David is in this cave, and what he doesn't understand, I think, when he first got to the cave, was that this was what God had intended all along, and it will bear out mostly in Second Samuel, uh, because these men became some bad dudes. But the, 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 while David was running, feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, sometimes that can blur our vision of what God is doing, has done, and is going to do. In fact, it will cause us to, more times than not, I mean, I wish I, wish I could stand up here and say that I... My faith is so strong that no matter what happens, I will, just, I will just speak life into that. Well, no, sometimes I complain about it, and then I'll, then I'll get a little negative about it until God whoops me about it, and, and now that can take a very short period of time, but it can also take a long period of time, and I think the difference is what we release from our mouth, and and and. and Somewhere along that journey to Moab, David kind of realized, I'm the anointed king. God's up to something. So this now is, yes, it's a cave and it's damp and it's dark, but it is a fortress for whatever God's going to do. And the day would soon come when that would become clear to David because he was going to emerge from that cave stronger than he went in. He was going to climb down that mountain a whole different guy than when he went in. And I think there are times where we find ourselves in cave experiences where we're kind of, we got the tail wagging the dog and we're, we're, we're a little mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically exhausted and, and we're just, we're trying to escape. We're trying to escape reality. We're trying to escape responsibility. We're trying to escape ministry. We're trying to escape, escape, escape. And we will find ourselves in a cave. Well, you need to understand what I need to understand better is that God leads you to that cave. That cave will become the place where you gain your strength back. 
again, wilderness experiences are a little different than cave experiences. And I know we don't have time to, to really dissect that, but I would ask you to read the two, read the story of the Exodus and then read these chapters, 1 Samuel, maybe 20, 21, 22, and then 2 Samuel where those mighty men came out and they did some damage for the glory of the Lord. But usually when we get to the cave, we think our strength is gone. But but if you hear nothing else, and if I run out of time and don't have time to say this, I want to say it now. I just want to repeat what the prophet Isaiah said when he wrote in Isaiah 45, 7. See, God's behind everything. God's behind every blessing that you have, and God's behind everything in your life that makes you scratch your head and you silently cry at night while everyone else is asleep. You're like, okay, you can't tell me God was behind. No, yeah, I can. I, I can, and I am. And, and without apology, although with sensitivity, I, I say that God is behind even your darkest of times because you will emerge stronger if you don't make it a wilderness experience, rather you make it a cave experience where you go in weak, but you come out strong. See, in the wilderness experience, they a whole lot of people had to die. The ones that wouldn't obey God, you're like, man, God, he's something else. The Bible's not boring. And... All through the scriptures, from Genesis to the maps, obedience is the key. There, you can have 50 keys on your ring of ministry and truth and talent and giftings, and you can speak in tongues and raise the dead, and all you can prophesy, you can, you can feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, but if you don't obey, none of that means anything. Because you will decide when you pull whichever key you want to use, that you think would fit the lock that needs unlocked, when God's like, that's not the lock. That's not the lock. No, 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 you, you need to do this because you can't do that until you do this. No, but God, you don't understand. I'm gifted. <laughs> You're going to preach it. I know you are. And that's exactly right. Hey, God... Didn't we do miracles in your name? And you are. That's what he says. I never knew you. I never knew you. So you can cry, Lord, Lord, all you want. Obedience is the difference maker. And, and God is the cause. He, he's behind blessings. And, and man, this is hard to swallow. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm preaching to me as much as 
I'm preaching to you, probably more. God's behind the blessings, but God's behind the burdens. You say, prove it. I'll let Isaiah prove it. Verse 7 of chapter 45, Isaiah said, I create the light. This is God speaking. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and I send bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. What are these things? Light. I bring dark. I bring good. I bring not so good. See, our text contains, I think, some things that we need to consider tonight. And everybody knows I'm not getting done tonight. So for the next couple of Wednesdays, I want us to spend some time in a cave. I hope that's okay. In fact, um, (laughs) Rob today asked me, where are you going with tonight, man? And I told him of how I ended up in this passage and... The title of what I, and this wasn't to be public, it was just what I had written in my notes. And I, I, I started, God began working with me on this in about 2004. And I just simply called it spiritual spelunking. Spiritual spelunking. Being able to navigate the cave. Being able to get around in cave experience, finding out why God put you there. But even if you don't get an answer, you will know why he brought you out. You will. So I want us to talk about that for a couple of weeks. And I just want to take this snapshot from David's life. We could actually spend five times as much time using David's own life to show, A, how he got there, and B, what he accomplished when he came out. But I think, A, you know the story or at least you've heard it, and, and B, um, we don't want to go five times longer. I want us to talk about tonight the reality of the cave. The cave is real. Your cave that you need to navigate is real. And I'm, I want you to, before you leave if, if tonight, I want you to be able to identify and articulate the difference between a wilderness experience and a cave experience, because they're different. They're different. God's behind them both, because God's behind everything. But there's a difference. There is a difference. The cave is real. Verse 1 said, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Agilom. He was brought to the Honestly, this was the bottom of his life right here. Up to this point. He had some, he had some bottom moments later. But, but up to this point, this, this was the bottom, man. This was, this was the bottom of his life. The, the, he's hurting. He's broken. 
in essence, he's defeated because he had to escape. You escape because you're about to get caught or you've already been caught. So, so, so there's a reason he couldn't stay where he was. And I'm so glad that the writer chose the word escaped because here he is hurting, broken, and defeated. And he is the anointed and crowned king of Israel, but he's holed up in a cave. That, that doesn't make sense. He, he doesn't rest his head on the oversized pillow of a king. He lays it on a damp, jagged rock every night. That doesn't make sense. There's got to be a reason. He doesn't stay in rooms or houses of princes. He's in a dark, <laughs> damp, moldy cave. Furthermore, he doesn't find any comfort in friends because he ain't got any. So he thinks. So not only is he broken, hurting, he's experiencing what could be the arrow that takes many Christ followers out, and that is he's fighting loneliness. He's fighting loneliness. Loneliness. But I, but I work with a bunch of people and go to church with a bunch of people and I interact, it doesn't matter. You can still feel and be lonely. Amen. And we all feel it. We've all felt it. The cave is real. And when you learn to distinguish the difference between the wilderness and the cave, you'll understand when you're in one or the other, and it, you will get excited about it because of what it will bring. The revelations, which we'll probably get to next week, the revelations that you will get in the cave that we're going to extract out of this text, four verses. The revelations that he got in that cave Honestly, he would, have, he would have went to the gates of hell with a water gun because he, he realized, I came in here running, hiding, broken, beaten, and lonely, but something in that cave turned it into a fortress. But the cave never changed. He did. And then he had the ability to influence change on those that came. Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, he said, how frail is humanity, exclamation point. How short is life and how full it is of trouble. You're like, can you quit depressing us? There's caves and the caves are real. And I would do you a disservice if it was all sugar lollipops and cotton candy. You, you're you're going to come into some cave experiences. You see, Jeff, how, what happens in those cave experiences? If you're taking those, write this down. You can study it out on your own time and comment if 
you already know, there's, there's going to be suffering. One way you can tell there's going to be suffering. And it's going to be suffering that you may or may not have brought on yourself. The suffering that happens in the wilderness is because you made poor choices. If we're using the example of the children of Israel, the suffering that happened was because they wanted to go back to their old life. It's as simple as that. They were told to do this, they did that. Now, their pastor is partly to blame. Moses is partly to blame here because he had an anger management problem. He, I mean, when I had an anger management problem, I hit walls and kicked kids' toys. Well, he hit rocks with a stick. But God still blessed it, and enough water came out of it to feed not only all the people, the millions that were there, but even all the livestock. Understand this. There will be suffering, but it will be suffering that is allowed by God when he allows you and leads you to the cave. He will allow some suffering to take place, and here's why. Remember, one of the things that was the key for David was his loneliness. Why would he send him to the cave? And why would I say it involves suffering? Because it was then that he had to learn. He had Jonathan. He had, he had his BFF, right? He, 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 Jonathan was, was his mole, But see, now he's in a cave, and this is before the folks come, and he had to learn that he had to lean on God because he couldn't lean on the props of his family. He couldn't lean on the props of his friends. He couldn't lean on the props of finances. He couldn't lean on the props of fame. He couldn't lead on props of even his own fleshly abilities. I'm running out of F's, so I'll stop. But, but he, was, he was taught in his sufferings, and we read it in Psalm 62, he was taught in his sufferings to lean on the Lord, period. Period. And God blessed that by bringing people to him. And you're like, well, if he really wanted to bless him, wouldn't he have brought him some really awesome guys? I'll just be real honest with you. I'd rather link up with someone who would be honest enough to tell me, I really don't know what I'm doing here, than to link up with somebody that think they know how to do everything. Thank you. Especially in the church. Amen. See, 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 God wasn't trying to destroy David. He was not even trying to discipline David. He was in the process of the beginning stages of developing David. Those are all so different. They're so, so different. He, he could have destroyed him easily. He, he, he could have disciplined him. But if he, would have, if he was disciplining him, he'd have probably sent him to the wilderness. Because he had, you know, to be alone. So nobody, 
like Jesus was sent to the wilderness right, right after the beginning of his ministry. Man, his ministry was starting. He was baptized. The spirit fell on him. God from heaven says, this is my son. And the spirit leads him into the wilderness. See, we get confused on punishment and discipline. Jesus spent time with his dad in that wilderness where the Spirit led him there. And he came out. And he could not be tempted with anything that would cause him to fall. And he didn't try to dazzle people with words. It is written. See, 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 God led David to the cave because he wanted to develop him into the man of God that he wanted him to become. Remind him of why he was anointed when he was a little kid. I would suggest it's the same in our lives. God wants us, and I know you know this, and it's like, are we in children's church? And you know what? When we get it right, I'll quit talking about it. But God wants us to lean on him. God wants us to, you're like, we, we know that. Move, move, to the, move to the part where it's like the aha moment. No, that's the aha moment. God wants us to obey him explicitly and immediately and wants us to lean on him. Now, thank God he has put people in our lives that will help us in the cave and will be Jesus for us and let us lean on them when we can't walk on our own. They will walk with us, carry us, drag us, whatever they got to do. Yes, amen. Aren't you thankful for those folks? Me too. But God, God is not trying to do things in the cave experience just, just to show you he can that's why when we get to that cave experience and we're feeling all the things I mentioned that you would feel, it's real. The cave is real, but he's putting you there to build you up. And sometimes before you can be built up, there's got to be a measure of suffering because you got to be broke down before you can build up. Listen, if, if you have a poor foundation, if you don't have a clean heart, clean hands, if you are not completely delivered and you try to build on that, you'll fail. You will fail. 100% of the time, you will fail. So, 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 so God will bring us to the cave so that we can go, what the heck am I doing in the cave? Oh, that's right. It's some me and God time. So that he can strengthen me, put my confidence back in my pocket, show me what my next step is. And I love the fact that he spoke in Moab, let him stay here until God tells me what he's going to do with me. I love that. He's not even thinking about the nation whom he is king over. <laughs> See, you've got to personally 
You've got to personally experience the cave and strengthen yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. David is the one who pinned or who, or who spoke the words, encourage yourself in the Lord. I know this is, you want to write this down because it don't get any deeper than this. Everybody in church don't want to see you win. <laughs> Sorry, you, you might have really been waiting on something there. <laughs> They, they don't. And, and, and there's, there's, there's sorrow. There's affliction. And sometimes you got to be before he can build. Amen. Secondly, how do I know there is the reality of the cave? Well, there's suffering, but you have to understand that there's a separation. There's a separation. Now, most people love when I say things like that because they think that means they drop out of all the ministries that they're doing and they stay at home and watch, insert favorite televangelist here. And no, no, it, 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 it means wait patiently on the Lord. It doesn't, it, separation doesn't mean you go and you put yourself in a corner somewhere with the, and, and just, you know, you just wait on God to speak. And, and I'm telling you, you'll die in that corner. You'll die in that corner because you, you were never made. You were not created and I was not created to live this life without relations, without relationships. We, we, we weren't. We were created for relationships. And when I say separation, David was cut off. He had escaped. So he was, he didn't realize it yet, but he was cut off from his problem. Think about it. It didn't say he tried to escape. He escaped. So he was cut off from his problem. He was, he was cut off from his family, his friends, his followers, he, he is in a place that prevents false fellowship. That's what I want to say. I used a lot of F's tonight, haven't I? I need to find a new one. I'll use P's or something. Those are easy. Um, it separates you from false fellowship. Because a lot of people trying to do good will lie to you. <laughs> like, if you're like majorly messing it up and, some, and they are telling you, you, you great, you're great job. They're lying to you. That's not encouragement. You know what encouragement is? Encouragement is speaking the truth in love and then coming alongside, putting your arm around them and say, you know what? I've done it too, and it stinks. So let's do this together. What, 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 he, what he was separated from was fakers. People that knew he was the anointed king, so they were going to... They were going to treat him differently than they would the next guy. Let's be honest. Because he's the king. You're like, I thought Saul was the king. He is, but not for long. 
David was the anointed king. There was a separation. He was brought to a place where he had nothing and no one but God. The cave was a place of suffering and separation, and we find ourselves sometimes in that situation, and the first person we blame is me. I don't mean like Jeff. I mean me. You blame you. (laughs) And you start wondering what I did wrong. See, God will take you to that place where we are alone except for the Father. And we kind of fear those times because that's usually when things start getting exposed. Am I right? That's usually when, that, that's usually when the true colors begin to come out. And, but we also are afraid sometimes of that separation and that time with God alone because he also will reveal to you, and, and this, is, this is the part that no one wants to admit, but we're just going to say it, and you know what? You don't even have to agree. Don't amen it. But, but we're afraid of the blessing that's going to come when we get out of the cave. We're afraid of it. We are afraid of it. We've prayed about it. We've had 47 people praying about it across 47 states. And then God takes you to the cave and he begins to mold you and make you. And you've, you've kept telling yourself, I can't do this. I'm not the person for this or that or the other thing. And I can't, I can't do this because I, I don't have time and I don't have energy and I don't have this or that. And, I'm, I, I, and what what. Listen, all you're doing is running. You're trying to find an escape. So God puts you in a cave, and then once you realize that you're there because God wants you there, and he begins to speak into you, then begins to bring people to you that are way worse off than you are, and he brings people to you, and now you are as weak and as lonely and as broken and as desperate as you are. You are now the best they got. And then when the blessings start being flashed before our eyes or God gives us a vision or maybe he speaks to us in our sleep or in a dream or whatever. I believe God does that, by the way. You know, English wasn't God's first language. Again, that was free. So, so we get scared of the blessing so what we do subconsciously, this you're allowed to amen if you agree. If you don't agree, raise your hand up and say, I think you're totally jacked up on this one because I, w- I want to have a conversation about it. But what happens is we are so afraid of the blessing, we will cause ourselves to implode so we have to go backwards because the blessing scares us to the degree we wet our robes. Because it's huge. And it's a beautiful thing. That's why. You've, have you ever? Don't ever. I, 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 think, I think it was um, Pastor Cloninger that I think said this. And I heard him say it. I'm going to give him credit for it even if he didn't. <clears throat> when. I believe it was him when we were at your old church before you got saved and came here that 
never trust a preacher that doesn't have a limp. Never trust the preacher that doesn't have a limp. Because you got to wrestle with God. And if you ever sit under a man or a woman who's teaching you, preaching to you, and, and they say to you, as soon as God called me, I ran to him and said yes. They're lying to you. Straight up lying to you. And t- tell them that Jeff Burke said so. And they can email me at rob at livingwaterdayton.com. Because, listen, we escape because when we see the blessing, it scares us to death. It did me. And you're like, well, you you just weren't ready yet to become. No, I was ready because God called me. But I wasn't ready to deal with what I knew he was going to do. Because that, I didn't understand that. I didn't know how to navigate the cave. I had some spiritual spelunking to do. Some exploration. But being alone with God will always precede a time of incredible blessing. I'll say it again. Being alone with God, regardless of your state of being, down, depressed, I'm on the D's again. Regardless of your state, it always precedes an incredible blessing. I, I kind of sat on that for a while. Well, since 2004. But when I revisited this, I thought about it. David was alone in the cave. We're going to read about what happens there. Jacob was alone in his tent. Elijah was alone by the brook. <laughs> I mean, just... Moses was alone on the backside of a mountain, and a daggone bush catches on fire and doesn't burn up. And your Bible says, and he stopped and turned to it. What else are you gonna do? I, I, I mean, I, 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 I would probably at least, probably from a distance, be looking at it. Jesus alone in the garden. You're like, got you on this one. Because him being alone with God, what followed was a cross. What a blessing. It was when Jesus ultimately fulfilled his purpose of his earthly life. And while we're on the cross, he was alone on the cross. No, there was two other guys. No. Daddy turned his... Father, why have you forsaken me? So in that alone time, incredible blessing followed immediately when they put him in the tomb. Amen. Each 
of these examples, and there's so many more, these were just ones I've thought about on the drive home. Each of these examples, and there are so much more, shows us that if we will embrace the cave, no matter what you were running from, there is a real good chance that when you leave the cave, you're going to have to go back to that which you were running from. Say with me. But you'll be stronger and you'll be able to deal with it then. See, what human tendency is, is to flight, right? Fight or flight, we get it. We're going to run. We're going to be in the cave. We're going to get our healing and our restoration and our time with the Lord and our revelation. And then when we leave the cave, we go the opposite direction because there's a reason we had to run. Because you ran is the reason you have to go back. Or you will always have that chink in your armor, that weak spot that the enemy will keep cramming arrows in because he knows you have never forgiven yourself. even if it wasn't your fault. Alone time with God in the cave is so, so, so valuable. So there's lessons to be learned in the cave. There's suffering, there's separation. Next week, I I want to crack open a can of worms that I... I want to talk about the revelation that David got while being in that cave. When when you slow down and when you read this, God is everywhere in this little story. And every little thing that happens that seems so insignificant, and it is, is huge because it is either a foreshadowing or it's something prophetic for you and I at this moment because the revelations in that cave that David experienced. Listen, there's a reason that God called him a man after my own heart, right? It's because he finally was able to see himself. And every little thing that happened, every person, the way he responds to the people, the way the people respond, everything's a revelation of a much, 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 much bigger picture. So, if you're in a cave, coming out of a cave, know someone in a cave, ask them nicely and gently to listen to this podcast. And and, and I didn't stop there for a cliffhanger. I, I stopped there because, honestly, that's a lot to digest. And I don't want us to just blow through this to get to the big ending, you know? 
there's, your cave is real. And if no one else has ever validated you, hear me. I validate your cave is real. I wish you didn't have to go through it. And as backward as this sounds, I am so glad you had to go through it. Because you will learn more about yourself in that cave than you would have learned trudging along in the direction that you were going, thinking everything was awesome. Any comment? Any contradiction? Any quandary? Any... I'm in a rhyming mood tonight. Uh, anybody? Any comment? Jeff, go ahead. I didn't see your hand, but I just know. Yeah. Just kidding. Go ahead, buddy. You, you know, if you think about the cave experience and what was going through his mind, and this is what I've been thinking about the whole time we're talking, is how he got to the cave. He was doing the right thing. It's not like he was running from something wrong. Yeah, totally. Exactly, and and it, it, it uh, that's why I wanted I wanted to be sure I emphasize it's 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 not necessarily discipline, it it's it's not to destroy. It's to develop. Yeah, the pruning. Yeah, that. But but if you miss it, or leave the cave too soon, or jump out of the cave on what we'll say is some big faith move. Listen, we, we all know, we all know, I don't, I'm really not trying to, I'm not, I'm not, I am a smart aleck, but I'm not trying to be one right now, okay? Mom would tell me literally every day, Jeff, no one likes a smart aleck. Might explain a lot in my life, but, right, they do, you're right, you do. Um, the thing is, with cave experiences, we get restless and impatient in the cave. And so what we'll do many times, this big, big swipe. Nobody in here has ever done it or will ever do it. It's for somebody listening. Big swipe. But, 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 but what happens many times is we'll declare this big step of faith and we'll leave the cave too soon. And we're not ready to leave the cave. God wasn't done. And then you wonder, I, I can't do anything. I, I don't even, why do I try to do anything? Try this and it fails, try that and it fails. I don't know who I am anymore. Well, because God, you didn't give him time to show you. No, see, see, see God, God doesn't work on Jeff Burke's timeline. And every one of us have been overwhelmed. Every one of us have felt like, dear God, if I run into this wall one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do. But you go to the cave. And you escape where you're at with the faith that he's going to place you 
where he wanted you to be all along. And that, as Jeff said, that road that he was on, he, he wasn't making mistake after mistake after mistake, sin after sin after sin. Listen, he could have killed dude long before. But he wouldn't touch the person that God had anointed, even though the person God anointed needed more than a touch. He needed a spear in his... Fair? But see, that's, that's Jeff Burke talking. That's not God. That's where the flesh gets in the way. We don't judge. We're not the judge or the jury. We go. God leads. We get to the cave. It's not what we expect. We will convince ourselves it's not what we deserve. I should have a king's bed. Instead, I'm laying on the ground. I'm alone. Oh, wait, here comes my family, dear God. And then, wait, are these 400 dudes that are coming over there, are they coming here? Everybody, shh, get away from the, get away from the opening of the cave. You know, you know how you do. Don't look at me like that. You know how you do when someone you think is coming to your house. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Jehovah's Witness. Shut the Nobody he expected to come and minister to him. Nobody that he expected to come and speak life. In. Nobody. None of those people came. You know why? Because he had to lean on God. He needed to listen to one voice. And that was the voice of God. And what we're going to learn next week is God used all of those people to be the voice of God. And he learned something and demonstrated a character trait with each and every one of them. I love this story. God, I love your word. I thank you that we can open it, we can read it. I pray, God, that we would just live with this, live with this. That we would ponder it in our heart. God, I, I, pray, I pray that we don't over-spiritualize it to the degree that we're looking for signs, signs, after sign, after sign, and just take it for what it says and for the message you were trying to convey to David and to Jeff and to your church. I thank you for this book. And as hard as it is, I thank you for my caves. I thank you for my wife who is your voice to me so many times that I lean on. And you let her carry me when I can't carry myself. I'm glad. I'm glad you put some caves in my life. And God, I might be trying to escape from something or try to avoid something. Take me to the cave. 
and develop me and continue to make me more like your son. And I pray that for every person that hears this. May that be the desire of our heart. May that be why we get up in the morning. And may it be what lets us sleep with peace at night, knowing we are in development stages. We're still the beta version of your son, Jesus. But continue to mold us and make us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us, guides us, talks to us, directs us, prepares us, warns us, convicts us. We love you, Jesus. I pray, God, that this room is full on Sunday to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would not be shy and we would not be afraid to let people know we have the greatest news ever. And his name is Jesus. Come and see. We lift you up. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you Sunday.